Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Man, all right, go ahead and take your Bibles this evening and look with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10 is where we're going to be this evening. Solomon is getting ready to conclude this book here. We've got after chapter 10, just two more chapters uh, remaining within this. And we have got quite an education uh, within this book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Of course, King Solomon writing and giving us much insight into uh, his study, Uh, his, uh, oh, I don't know what you want to call it other than his study of life, really, Uh, his examination of life, and he found many interesting things. He found that throughout this search, that he said life was full of vanity and emptiness and vexation of spirit, irritation of the mind. There's a lot of things in life that we question, isn't there? Well, Solomon was no different. Being the wisest man to ever live, he questioned the things of life. And as he questioned the things of life, he couldn't come up with really too many answers. And so it bothered him. And really, if we want to get down to it, I think, this is my personal opinion here, I think what bothered Solomon the most in all of his study of life was that he simply couldn't figure it out. You see, for someone as smart as Solomon and as wise as Solomon, he had a lot of things figured out. And when you, when you constantly have things figured out and then you come across something that you can't figure out, oh, that's very bothersome, isn't it? And it was to him, and so he wrote about it. And he gives us these insights here within these pages of God's Word, and God allowed him to pen these words and give them to us. We're in the second half of this book of Ecclesiastes as Solomon has Uh, kind of transitioned from the search of life and has gone into more of uh, some uh, recommendations, if you will, or some insight as to uh, how to handle some things in life. And that is what we find in chapter 10 as we're going to look at some lessons uh, from folly. Some lessons from folly tonight. And so let's read in verse number 1, and we'll read some of the verses following, and then we'll um, make some comments and application and be finished this evening. But the Bible says this, says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. Now, on this, let me stop you here just for a moment. Can you picture this in your mind? You picture what's taking place. Solomon is painting a word picture here. He's talking about dead flies. 
caused the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. That which should be healing, that which should send a good smelling savor. He says the flies get in and die, and they rot, and it kills the wonderful smell and gives a bad smell. Look what he says. He says, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to every one that he is a fool. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. He gives these examples here. He says in verse 6, Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. Whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith. And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge... Then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. And the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be, what shall be after him. Who can tell him? The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Here in chapter 10, we're going to look at some of these lessons of folly, or lessons from folly, as Solomon gives them. We'll make three statements concerning folly. And like I said, we'll make some statements here, some application, and then we'll be through this evening. But let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, you have given us so much. You have allowed us to grow in knowledge and wisdom And Father, You have given us from Your Holy Word these pictures, these words of wisdom. And God, we certainly want to glean from them tonight. And God, even in this area of folly, we we see it all around us. We even experience it in our own lives from time to time. And God, I pray this evening that You would help us to glean from these lessons. We would learn what you would have us to learn. That we might understand just a little bit more of this area of folly in our own life. 
that we might learn from it and that most of all, we might avoid it. And God, I pray this evening that you would help us to just see what your word has to say. We might apply it to our lives, to live our lives for thee and thee alone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we have again verse number one. As Solomon starts off giving us this beautiful picture, really it's not a beautiful picture, but it is a picture uh, nonetheless, uh, kind of a gross picture, if you will, uh, as he said, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. But in this picture, he's wanting you and he's wanting me to see what takes place when folly comes into a life. As he says, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Now we see people mess up from time to time, don't we? We see people make a mess of their lives. We see uh, people fall into sin. We see uh, people get into things that they have no business uh, getting into. But here, Solomon compares the dead flies in an ointment to those that have a distinct reputation. A distinct reputation. And he says, a little folly will ruin a fine reputation even faster than those that have very little reputation. I want you to consider this evening, uh, if you've ever uh, noticed in, uh, in the news, from time to time we'll find uh, and we'll hear news about um, pastors that aren't good. Now, used to, when I was growing up, you would hear those and we would be shocked. We're not as shocked today, are we? Happens more often, I think. We hear more and more news of it and we become less and less shocked. But I remember as a boy uh, hearing of certain preachers, some had television personalities and uh, they would do these awful things or they would be accused of these awful things and, and people would become outraged. Why is that? Well, he explains it here that just a little folly for him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. There is a certain expectation of those that are in leadership and those that have a place of leadership. And he says it just takes a little bit of folly. It doesn't take a lot of folly, just a little bit of folly that will ruin a reputation faster than anything else. And that's why he says in verse number 2, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Often what we find within this, and I believe what Solomon is saying here, is that that man, the one, the wise man, his heart is in his right hand. The fool's heart is in his left hand. I believe it's often the case that this is the same man. We carry our heart in a double-minded type of a, a duplicity type of a life that we have on one side, we have this life. On the other side, we have this life. And well, a little bit of folly doesn't take long to ruin that reputation, does it? 
It doesn't take long within that to ruin that reputation. And we find that he's saying that if man's, a wise man's heart is in his right hand, but a fool's heart is in his left. But in verse number 3, he says, Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Now, now not very often... Do you find somebody that comes in and just announces and says, Hey, I'm foolish. I'm foolish. I'm a fool. So what is Solomon talking about here? He talks about the dead flies in the ointment. He talks about uh, the, the wise man holds his heart in his right hand, the fool in his left hand. But then when the fool walketh by the way in his own wisdom... It won't take long before he announces, I'm a fool. What's he talking about? Is he really announcing that he's a fool? No. What he's saying is, it won't take long for his foolishness to be known. It won't take long for you to take a step back and say, oh, so he's a fool. Because it begins to stink like the dead flies. It begins to ruin even the finest of reputations. It will be known by their folly. So folly, number one, ruins the finest of reputations. Number two, folly reveals that life is not always predictable. Life is not always predictable. Look at verse number 5 as Solomon says, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun. Now again, this evil is not the same type of evil that we would describe today. Uh, this evil is more of a distress uh, of life, the distresses, the overwhelming pains of life. He says, I've seen this as I've seen it under the sun. He says, there's an error which proceedeth from the ruler. So he's going to start talking about some of the follies of leadership. And within these follies of leadership, he says, look, life is not always predictable within this. As he says in verse number six, he says, folly is set in great dignity. You think about that. Is folly set in dignity? I mean, is there, is there anything dignified in folly? Of course not. And so when Solomon is saying here, he's showing that life is not always uh, predictable within this, but yet there are those that are dignified that find themselves in folly. But he says, folly is set in great dignity. Also in verse 6, he says, the rich sit in low place. Sit in low place. Now, wait a second. This is contrary to what's normal, is it not? Do the rich sit in the low places? No. No, they sit in the high places. They have the fine things of life. They enjoy the finer things in life. They don't find themselves what we would describe as the gutter place of life. But yet you add a little folly, you add a little folly, and that is exactly 
where even the rich will find themselves. He says, life is not always predictable. In verse number 7, he says, I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. What he's saying here is, hey folks, that's not normal. What you have normally is you have a, uh, if you have a horse and you have a prince, the prince is going to ride the horse and the servant's going to walk beside it. He says, but you know what I've seen? He said, I've seen the servants riding the horse. And I've seen the princes walking upon the earth. Now, I can think in my own mind of some circumstances and some situations while uh, where that should be the case or could be the case. But he says, folly causes things in life to not always be predictable. He says in verse 8, he says, he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. Now look, nobody digs a pit to fall into it. Not to fall into it. I mean, you might have to get into it, but he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. This isn't predictable stuff. Verse 9, he says, Who that removeth stones shall be hurt therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. He says this isn't normal. This isn't predictable stuff. He says in verse 10, If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then must he put more strength, or put to more strength. That idea of wetting the, wetting the edge, if you're not familiar with that, that simply means to sharpen it. So if you have an axe, and you, you have an iron that's blunt, and, and you're trying to chop down a tree and your axe is not sharpened, he said, you're going to have to put more strength and more work with that dull blade. But he says, but wisdom is profitable to direct. In verse 11, he changes gears just a little bit as he says, surely the serpent will bite without enchantment. And a babbler is no better. Listen, the serpent doesn't need to be provoked to bite. And he says the babbler, the babbler is a person who speaks idly or speaks irrationally or one who is a secret teller. A secret teller. What will the babbler say? They'll say about anything. And they don't have to be provoked. They just want to tell the secret that they know, that they've heard. The rumor, the gossip. Oh, the babbler. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. But the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. He'll get entangled in everything that he has to say. He always sets a trap for himself. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. And the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. You see, folly reveals to us that life is not always predictable. 
That's what he's going through here. We, we think we can go through life and predict everything there is about it. Everything there is about life. Oh, we know. We got it all figured out. If you do this, this is going to happen. Well, it doesn't always happen that way. And Solomon goes through this, and he wants to remind us that folly, when folly is around and when folly is involved, it, it always doesn't go the way planned. It changes things. Folly changes things in life. It changes the predicament. It changes the predictable to the unpredictable. And he goes through and gives some very interesting comparisons here. And so we see, number one, that folly ruins even the finest of reputations. We see that folly reveals that life is not always predictable. But folly also reasons differently than wisdom does. Look at some of Solomon's reasons here from verses 16 through 20. He says, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. But much slothfulness, or by much slothfulness, sorry, the building decayeth, and through idleness of hands the house droppeth through. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Folly versus wisdom reasons differently. It thinks differently. It behaves differently. And it's interesting some of the things that Solomon says here, especially in verse number 16, as he says, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child. Now, obviously, at this point in time in Israel's history, they've only had three kings. Saul, David, and Solomon. On Solomon's death, the kingdom's going to split. It's going to divide. Ten tribes are going to go one direction. Two tribes are going to go another. And the kingdom's going to split. And there's going to be king after king after king in both parts of the divided kingdom. Some of those kings are going to be children. And Solomon says here, Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child. Now, one thing that I find most interesting is that one of Israel's greatest kings was a child. That of Josiah. Eight years old when he began to reign. And he didn't follow in the ways of his father, he followed in the ways of David. 
And God blessed. When he was 18 years old, he began to reign when he was 8. When he was 18 years old, the Bible describes to us that Josiah, after walking in the ways of David his father, striving to do that which was right, decided to clean up the temple. And as they were cleaning up the temple, they found a book. And they brought the book to the king, and they read the book to the king. And it wasn't just any book, as they dusted it off and they read it before the king, it was the book of the law. And at 18 years old, Josiah rent his clothes before God. And a national revival broke out. But yet here Solomon says, Woe unto thee, O land, when thy child is a or when thy king is a child, and princes eat in the morning. I don't know that it's necessarily the morning time that Solomon has a problem with, as much as he says in verse 17, as he says, Blessed art thou. O land, when thy king is a son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. See, what's the purpose in eating? What's the purpose in eating? I mean, we sit down for a nice meal, and uh, there is a purpose in it. It's for strength. But you know, one of the things I'm, I've been contemplating here as of late in, in, in my own life, and and just uh, going through things in my own life and reading things like this is, uh, uh, you know, we have been and allowed ourselves to be way overly entertained, haven't we? Everything's about entertainment, even our food. We want our food to bring pleasure. We want everything to bring pleasure to our life, not necessarily strength, not necessarily drunkenness, as Solomon says here, but, but our, our sin, I think, in our day and time is that we want to be entertained. We want to enjoy everything where life is not simply for our enjoyment. Our food is not simply only for us to enjoy. It's to give us strength. It's to give us purpose. He says the princes eat in the morning for drunkenness and not for strength. And he gives some insight here in verse 18 as he says, By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through, idle, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. He says, you know, it, it takes work to get things done. He says, but slothfulness, by not paying attention to it and not doing it, eventually it's going to decay. A building just left to itself will rot. But if you work at it, it'll last a long time. But it's going to take work. Then he compares again in verse 19, a feast is made for laughter. Wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. Now we know that a feast is not always made just for laughter. Wine is not always that maketh merry. And money is not the answer to all things. Again, the difference between folly and wisdom. 
In verse number 20, Solomon changes gears a little bit and gives a little bit of advice that I will leave with you as well tonight. He says in verse 20, Curse not the king. No, not in thy thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. You ever had a conversation with someone? And usually a conversation goes like this. Hey, Trevor, I'm going to tell you something that you can't tell anyone. Okay? Can't tell anyone. All right. Chloe has big ears. Can't tell anyone, though. Chloe doesn't really have big ears. I'm just making that up. But it starts off like that, doesn't it? Now, look, don't tell anyone that I said that. Okay? Sometimes we'll even say this. If you tell anyone I said that, I'll deny it. But you know what happens most times? As Trevor finds himself, he's over there talking to Bob. And Bob says, oh, there goes Chloe. And Trevor goes, oh, hey, Bob, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. Bob says, okay. He says, I heard Chloe has big ears. And he says, oh, my. How tragic. But you can't tell anybody. He's like, okay, I won't. Then he goes home. Bob goes home and he sees Alice. Well, Alice isn't anybody. It's just his wife. And so he says, hey, Alice, I'm going to tell you something that you can't tell anybody. I heard Chloe has big ears. She says, oh, my. But you can't tell anybody. Is that not what happens? We tell a lot of other people not to tell anybody, but yet the birds fly. The birds fly and they tell. You want to know something? You want to know a sure way to not have yourself repeated? Don't say it. Because see, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Alice then comes around to me. Says, I heard that your daughter has big ears. Where did you hear that? Oh, well, Bob told me. Where did Bob hear that? Well, Trevor told him. And then you know what I do? I get mad at Trevor. Don't I? Because I told Trevor not to say anything. And Trevor, you said something. And then you get mad at Bob because you told him not to say anything. And Bob gets mad at Alice because she said something. And I'm the one that I should be mad at. But I don't get mad at me, do I? I should. And that's what Solomon is saying here. 
He's saying, you'd be better off not even to think it, let alone to say it, because as soon as you say it, it's probably going to get repeated. It's probably going to get repeated. And it does. And if it does get repeated, let me just tell you, you are the one responsible. Now, should Trevor have broken my confidence? No. But if I never would have said anything, he would have had nothing to break. Amen? Amen. I've learned this in my own life. I've tried to teach my children this a little bit, that, listen, as soon as you say something, you you may as well just mark it down. It's going to get repeated. It's going to get repeated somewhere. You may never know it. And so you better be comfortable with what you say. You better be willing to take what you say. And that's what Solomon is teaching here. He's saying, look, yeah, he's talking about the king and he's talking about the rich and he's talking about these things, but he's saying, look, there's a bird of the air that's going to take that somewhere else. And They that have wings shall tell the matter. Listen, he's ending this by trying to help us avoid... A little bit of folly. Because dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. You'd be better off not saying it. If you're worried about it being repeated, you probably shouldn't have said it to begin with. A little folly, just a little folly, doesn't take a lot, a little folly, doesn't take a lot for those that are in reputation. The fool may have a little bit more folly, can take it a little bit more, but the lessons that we learn from folly tonight is that folly can ruin even the finest of reputations pretty quickly reveals to us that life is not always predictable. And folly reasons differently than wisdom does. If you don't want something repeated, you're better off to have never said it. Let's bow for prayer, shall we?